saying welcome to Holding Fast. Thanks for being a part of the podcast today. How is your anchor holding this morning? Did you wake up ready to serve the Lord and to jump at that opportunity? And maybe that question is uh, something not to ask until you've maybe had your first cup of coffee. And I've got mine, although it's a, it's a cup of tea. Uh, I have been trying to drink a little bit more tea lately rather than coffee. And uh, But I, at the same time, I don't want that to be ruling my disposition, but that I allow the Word of God to do that. But there's something to be said for having a little bit of nourishment in the morning. And I encourage you maybe to have a cup of java that'll help you, help you get, get cranked and get started. Well, I welcome you to the podcast for today and looking forward to sharing with you a few more thoughts about the identification of Baptist distinctives. I dealt with two in the last podcast, uh, looked at the, uh, the letters B and A, which are make up the first two letters in the name Baptist, and each letter stands for a certain characteristic or distinctive that traditional Baptists have always held to. Uh, given this post-Christian era that we live in now, it's not always a given that a Baptist church will hold to these particular distinctives. And they may do so on paper, but fail to do so uh, in reality. Uh, because some people, uh, some churches and organizations, what they say on paper doesn't always equate to what they live out in real life. So we're looking at the teachings that are associated with the letters in the word Baptist. And we looked at the last time at the letter B, meaning biblical authority. We noted in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, that the word of God is the absolute authority, that whatever God affirms in the scriptures is what we believe and what we practice. Uh, there are churches that will have creeds and confessions of faith where they try to gather together uh, a concise definition of exactly what they believe. But when it all comes down to it, every creed, every confession has to bow at the feet of in the inerrant word of God, the infallible scriptures. They are that which is the source of truth. They are the touchstone of all right and wrong. Everything must be applied to that. By the way, that's a distinguishing mark or characteristic of any Bible-believing church, supposedly. Uh, That's the thing that distinguishes Bible-teaching churches from other uh, uh, Christian, so-called anyway, Christian movements. You have Romanism, uh, you have Mormonism, you have a number of different isms. And one of the things that's always true about those is that in comparison with Bible-believing Christianity, those movements will often have more than one source of truth. You can take that to the bank. Uh, The Scripture says that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in the Gospel of John chapter 6 and verse 63, that when Jesus started bearing down and citing his own authority and his teaching Uh, credibility that there were many disciples that walked away from him. And so he turned to ask his disciples, will you also leave me? And of course, his disciples said, "Uh, you're the one that has the words of truth. Uh, We take that seriously. Uh, Romanism has the church fathers and uh, historical documentation about how different uh, teachers throughout the history of the church were uh, were the source of infallible truth. 
And the problem is when you have popes that are excommunicating each other because they're teaching opposite things, you do have an issue. So you have to be reminded that there is only one source of right and wrong, only one source of truth. The Mormons have the other testament. They had to supplement exactly what the Bible teaches because it does not confirm what they believe. You even have the New World translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses that is is distinctly different from the taught Word of God. And so you have many movements around the world and organizations that will teach that there are other sources of reality and truth aside from the Word of God. And uh, we affirm as a Baptist that there's only one Bible and it alone has the authority to be able to dictate our life and practice. We looked at the letter A last time and we understood that the autonomy of the local church is also held to be true by Baptist groups, Uh, meaning that the local church is an independent body that is accountable to Jesus Christ himself. He is the head of the church that there is no human authority for governing a local church other than the ones that are believing people in that church. Uh, A Baptist church does not take its marching orders from any other organization other than the Bible, and that doesn't mean that it's isolated. Certainly, Baptist churches will fellowship with like-minded ministries. Uh, a Baptist fellowship uh, church may fellowship with other churches around that have a mutual interest in the same philosophical association, uh, but they are independent, autonomous works that make their own choices about how they're going to live out serving the Lord. We come to the letter P in the Baptist distinctives, and that is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, Verses it's found in a lot of places, but in particular, First Peter chapter two and verse uh, and verse five, where the scripture says that we are like living stones, believing people. They're built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Interesting word to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Down in verse nine. Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. In other words, what that passage teaches is what will be sung about in in heaven one day. And I think this is significant. It's found in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And in this passage, we are told that there will be a song sung in heaven by the redeemed people of God. And it's remarkable how they are described. Chapter 5, verse 9 says, They sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, uh, for you were slain and purchased for God uh, with your blood, men from every uh, tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and, and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth." Well, in other words, the word priest here, uh, and it's defined as one who is authorized to perform the rites of a religion, especially as a mediatorial agent between humans and God. In other words, what that passage is teaching in First Peter and in the book of Revelation is that every believer today is a priest of God and may enter into God's presence in prayer 
at, at any time directly through our great high priest, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Baptist theology and understanding of Scripture, we believe the Bible teaches exactly that, that as a believing disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have freedom if you are saved today as, as a priest to be able to go directly to God without any human intercessor. Uh, at our church, we don't have any booth or any quiet place where people come and confess their sins to me as the pastor. Uh, frankly, they need to go directly to Jesus Christ. The pastor in a Baptist church is a shepherd that shepherds people to the Lord directly. Uh, that's what the Bible teaches us. No other mediator is needed between God and people. And as a priest, as a believer, uh, you can study God's word, you can pray for others, you can offer spiritual worship to God. He accepts you because of Christ. You have equal access to God, whether you're a preacher or not. Uh, any lay person or any lay woman or layman that's part of a church has this freedom and access into the very presence of God because we believe in the priesthood of the believer. That's what the hosts are singing about in heaven one day, that you have made the way to God accessible. Uh, the Father did that through the Son and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And so that's what we hold to be true today. When we gather together, uh, we all stand level at the foot of the cross and have access into the presence of God. The next letter that I'll close with today is the letter T, B-A-P-T. Uh, and the, the letter T would stand in this case for two ordinances. Um, this is something that has been taught throughout the Baptist history as well. And we look to passages like Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where we are given that great commission as a group of believing people to go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples of all people and literally baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world." Uh, there are two ordinances that our church practices as a Baptist church. We believe that an ordinance is that which specifically highlights the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is something. It is a ceremony that we go through that has a specific uh, finger that's pointing to our Lord. Uh, for instance, the number one ordinance would be a baptism of believers by immersion in water. Uh, that's how a person publicly identifies with Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. That Our Lord spoke of this often, that the disciples practiced this, that the apostles taught it throughout the New Testament, that a legitimate Bible-believing Baptist church will believe that baptism represents, it's an outward demonstration of an inward conversion that took place. A second ordinance that we believe in as a Baptist is the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. It's a communion that commemorates his death for our sins. You read of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and following. But that particular ordinance is one that is celebrated frequently by the church. Our church does that every month. Some churches uh, do it more frequently. Uh, there's no biblically mandated frequency to celebrate it, but uh, we do keep it regularly 
regularly before ourselves because we need to contemplate the great price paid for our sin. Um, and the early church used to practice it every service when they met. Uh, but we practice that once a month. These are the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's table that we celebrate. There have been historically some Baptist groups that would celebrate a third ordinance like feet washing or something. Uh, but that's been more, that, that hasn't been mainstream Baptist people. Uh, usually they'll believe just in the two ordinances. And so that's something that our church holds to. And I hope that whatever church you belong to, that that's something that they pay close attention to as well. Well, I hope that you have a great day today. I'm praying for you, asking God to bless you. Keep your eyes fixed on Him now because that's the only thing that can keep you from stumbling. Uh, make sure you're attentive to His Word and following in His footsteps. God bless you. 